Hello everybody, this is Loki Away Loki, and welcome to No Hit Podcast. Here is my job to into extra running gamers in the realms of challenge running, whether that be no hit runs, completing games in their entirety without taking a single hit or point of damage, speed runs, completing games that normally take hours and mere minutes, and other such ventures. Today's guest is that cool black dude, that's that cool black dude on YouTube and Twitch, and CBD underscore TTV on Twitter. CBD is an expert no-hit runner of the Dark Souls series, in particular with a particular niche towards low damage runs, being particularly well known for completing the game's no-hit using the broken straight sword, being one of, if not the most, least damaging weapons in the entire game, and having taken that forward to complete all three games with that weapon no-hit, as well as Dark Souls 1 and Dark Souls 3, completing all bosses no-hit with that added difficulty, as well as also completed DS3 all bosses plus DLC deathless, whilst sharing the controller, so two players playing on one controller, Deathless, with another challenge runner. In this conversation, we go through the added difficulties to bosses and routine when doing low damage runs, being a faceless streamer on Twitch, meaning streaming without a webcam, the differences in the niche runs that CBD has completed, including no upgrades, soul level one, and what weapon level zero is, as well as CBD's thoughts on streaming, his introduction of Dead by Daylight into his streams, and other such topics. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with that cool black dude. All right, CBD, appreciate taking the time. Welcome to the podcast. How's it going, man? Going all right. How are you? I am doing very well. I wanted to start, just before we delve into challenge running, I saw as I was doing some prep for this, talk a lot about cinema goer, movie enjoyer, and was interested in if you had any recommendations or what you think of as a good movie. The movies that I'm into, it spans a, a lot of genres. I, if it's a good movie, I'm I'm probably going to like it. Or I guess there's kind of a opinion-based thing of what constitutes a good movie, but I like all kinds of movies. Um, I actually have a, a letterbox. It's kind of like a, it's a social media for film nerds, and you can see like all the movies that I watch there. I, I write reviews for pretty much everything that that I, that I watch um i have lists on there of like my favorite movies that come out every year the whole nine yards so i guess to to come back to your question i guess a good movie that i think not a lot of people have seen is my favorite movie of all time it's called the way way back it came out in 2013 what's that about sorry uh it's actually it's a coming of age movie um it's it's rough to actually sell it because every time i i uh, say a synopsis it, people kind of like oh Okay, I'll watch it, and they never do. But uh, it's a coming-of-age movie. It's about uh, just an awkward kid who kind of finds himself when he's at the summer house of his stepdad. And you kind of see him grow and, like, make friends with the people who are uh, native to the town. And um, I don't know. It, it connected with me. It connected with the 10th the grade or ninth grade me when I watched it in theaters. So, I don't know. It kind of stuck with me all the time. Every person who I showed it to loved it. So, that's all I can say about it. And just to give a recommendation from my part, so there's something else so one of my favorites is gladiator which i think a lot of people have watched but is is up oh, there yeah. for me and i'd highly recommend if you haven't seen it it's a classic i believe at this point i think it's been like 20 years or so which is sort of scary yeah it came out in 2000 or 2001 or something i'd recommend highly recommend that it's a fun one and some of the best music i've heard in some films oh yeah i agree with that so moving on to challenge running what was your first introduction or, or involved or introduction that led to involvement into either hitless if that was the first thing or challenge running in general with me i think as with a lot of people who uh were playing dark souls back in like 2013 2014 uh, my introduction was watching lobos on on youtube and i was kind of amazed how he was taking i don't know these simple challenge runs as we would think of it today but it was pretty interesting back then like he would be doing like miracles only playthroughs or sorcery only or straight sword hilt only and we'll, we'll get back to that so he encouraged me to um like kind of do challenge runs in my own time when i first got dark souls back in 2013 like i did 
did my first sorcery only playthrough and then i i got into streaming i think uh 2018 in may and i did my first soul level one run uh when i first started streaming and i think that was highly uh influenced by lobos and then i had a few influences kind of along the way if you want me to go into that too and how my focus changed as it, it pertains to souls that'd be good yeah so first there was lobos and then i i discovered that people stream dark souls on twitch too and not just upload videos to youtube and i came across permadeath or, or deathless runners um Two in specific, their names are Miltrovid or Milt and Latovsky or Lido. And they would do these challenges that was um, NG to NG plus six permadeath. And after at each uh, NG, they would ask someone in chat to choose a weapon for them, right? So that really caught my attention. And that's what I started to do with my stream. I wanted to do NG to NG plus seven or NG plus six no death runs. And then um, along came a small little streamer by the Happy Hob. Kind of blew up the space in terms of Dark Souls challenge runs back in 2015. And um, I, I was watching him when he was going for the first one, the, the first DS1 no hit run. And uh, I, I, I remember the day that, that he got it. It was I remember like the title and everything. He he numbered his his streams. It was stream number three hundred. Title was something like, "Oh, we're gonna PB today." And um, <laughs> well, he was right. And man, oh man, yeah, did he PB? <laughs> so it was it was quite the experience. And I I remember watching that and like trying my own runs later not no hit just other challenge runs i thought i would i would never really get into no hit runs at all because uh, i thought that was just not not the thing for me it seemed like uh, i wasn't good enough but then um but then somewhere along the line i kind of thought to myself when when i was a one two three viewer andy i was, I was like uh, i kind of want to do something special i i want to i want to get a run that if someone were to see it online or like be told about it i want them to you know hesitate and be like no that's fake right like there's no way someone actually did that so i kind of merged two things together it was um i mentioned lobos earlier he uploaded a video years ago i think like eight years ago by now um uh it was a straight sword hilt challenge run just just to play through the game and i was like i want to merge that with what i saw happy hob doing so i started doing that back in i think i started like the very first stream was in like july of 2018 or something and then i got the run 11 months later <laughs> so it was it was a long journey but it that that's how i came to it it was straight sword hill only no no hit of dark souls remastered so there's a lot we can go down into the that run in particular but i just want to stay just a quick sec on the previous challenge runs did you have any particular favorites in terms of the previous ones you did uh, before hitless well i only really focus on like the deathless stuff I, I didn't go for any other real challenges i did enjoy the uh the challenge of d just using really really bad weapons because a lot of times when when you'd ask a viewer like hey like just choose a weapon for me i i'd have a list of all the available weapons that i that i could use um like a lot of times it'd be like a, the whip or i don't know a, a dagger or or a, a mail breaker or something really dumb and really stupid but uh or or something even like ridiculous as to like a really heavy strength weapon so you'd have to get like a whole bunch of strength but then you'd be fat rolling because of just one weapon right before gargoyles so it, it was a way to really change your, your gameplay and understand exactly what your limitations are and on, honestly i never got to ng plus seven i think the the highest i got was ng plus three or something but it was uh it was really fun it it, it really changes your mind whenever you do something outside your comfort zone and you know use weapons that you've never used before and you really understand what they can do and what you should should do and what your route should be when you maybe want to play it casually or, 
or do a challenge run specifically with that weapon you know going into the the broken straight sword back then so nowadays there is a, a whole a whole host of strats and guides and knowledgeable runners to to learn from and be able to get advice from uh, back then when you were starting this run for the first time how did you approach it well i was i was on console for quite a long time and when i got my first run it was all on console so um i i didn't practice at all <laughs> um I, I i just jumped straight into it i'm like okay i'm I'm going to figure this out as I go along. I, I don't care how long it takes me to to figure things out, but I'm, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to count all my hits on this very first attempt and we'll see where it goes from there. I think at, at the end of that first run, I had something like 600 <laughs> hits and some change. Uh, 300 of those were to ONS and ONS took me three days to get by. So it was, it was a wake up call. And um, I realized at that moment that I wasn't sure if I was ever going to get it. So I, I never really focused on practicing because I, I just wanted to do complete runs. And I, I wanted to see my, my PB go down. And there were times where I didn't PB for, I don't know, a month or two uh, over those 11 months and it didn't really phase me. I, I just I just wanted to do full runs all the time and see where it took me. That, that might be the reason why it took me so long. But yeah, it, it was just the good old fashioned way of no safe states, just play. Just grind it out. Or reset. Yep. Pretty much. And was it the the idea of wanting to have this memorable run, so to speak, completed was the one that kept you going for, for so long or kept, kept with it? Yeah, you could say that. Um, I guess you could also say that I was also just doing it for... For myself because i even when i got the run uh i i didn't really try to get on team hit list for like another six months or something uh i i, I got it and i was i was just happy with myself I, I i guess it was just me trying to um really understand the game a whole lot more and and to prove something to myself that that i could do something that at one point i thought might have been impossible at the time because because no one else was doing what i was doing uh back in 2018 early 2019 uh it because if you looked at anyone else's no hit run, they were, you know, it was Black Knight Howard, Crystal Howard, they were using the bow, they were using fire bombs, they're using all this stuff. I didn't use any of that. It was just a straight sword hilt. So I, I think it was just I I wanted to prove something to myself. I wanted to I wanted to give someone a reason to to doubt the legitimacy of of my accomplishment. Because I think if if you're ever accused of, of faking something and you didn't actually fake it, then I think that that might be the best compliment of all time. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's so good, it's unbelievable. I, th I think that really drove me forward to try to finish the run. That's just reminded me, I believe, like it's very similar to a tweet I read of yours recently, and I uh, rephrase if I get this incorrect, but something to do with someone commented that they thought you were view botting, which was a big compliment, I believe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that that's that's you hit the nail on the head. Um, they, they thought I was viewbotting, and they really meant that as an insult and to try to try to rile me up uh, because I was doing a, a co-stream with um uh, Vsod, another challenge runner, and uh, I was like, oh wow, well thanks. Yeah, I have a lot of people watching me. I I, I appreciate it. <laughs> that was that was that was awesome. <laughs> validating and it's, it's, we'll go into uh, go into like live like the aspects of live streaming later on but it's it's weird that that that's as you say people just come in and go i'm just gonna do something negative in today just in the brief introduction i'm gonna have with each other and her voice anyway never mind <laughs> it's, it's a strange thing with live streaming and i guess with social mm -hmm. social content creation overall like the same thing could be done with oh, yeah. like youtube comments and stuff like that was so in going into the ds1 run the first one the only percent what were some parts that ended up maybe being unexpectedly difficult uh, and to 
just to go further on that, I should say, is in certain cases, there'll be the difficulty of a boss will take much longer, for instance, that will just be a patience test because uh, you're going to be doing a lot less damage than, as you say, with Black Knight Halberd or mm. Crystal, uh, the Crystal Halberd. But was there any cases where the limited damage had a, a more difficult effect than just extending a fight? either in routing or for particular bosses i think for the uh for that any percent run it was it was the timing it was the um the time limit that i had on myself because w with the straight sword hilt even if you have the most overpowered infusion or upgrade on it i think the most you're ever going to do with one swing might be 35 damage and that's if you farm for a lot of titanite things and you you spend a lot of time going that route but you don't do that on no hit runs so i didn't upgrade it whatsoever so a lot of my damage came from buffs magic buffs or uh power within too which is a and a lot of people don't know this with dark souls one with with weapon buffs they're not increased by red tear stone ring so i had to go out of my way get power within and then power within lasts for 100 seconds and once it runs out it runs out and once i run out of my buffs that's it I either either have to homeward bone or i have to do two damage a swing so that was a huge thing not only just with um the fights themselves like i i think sif was a big one with uh if if I ever got, if I ever didn't finish the fight in however long the magic weapon buffs last for, then that was pretty much it. I either had to bone out or I had to try to buff in the fight, and that's pretty much a death sentence because Sif input reads right. So, and and it affected my routing a lot too. Um, uh, like if anyone was there for, <laughs> like the first time I ever fought Gwen. Gwen is a long fight. Uh, when you're not doing a whole bunch of damage per swing, so I had to do a lot of risky things and it was pretty much rng until i routed in more damage via power within so it was both difficult for trying to do the fights perfectly and quickly as well as trying to find ways of routing in other things to like give myself some leeway or, or allow some boss fights to not be left up to rng you know a notable one that i saw when i was doing bit prep was pinwheel who is mostly known in mm. both vanilla and yeah. in a standard no-hit run, so to speak, quotations, uh, as being a very easy boss, but for something like this, it's, it's imagine, very difficult. <laughs> yeah, very difficult, because uh, typically people don't fight Pinwheel until, well, they get really overpowered, and I was fighting Pinwheel second boss after Asylum Demon, and uh, y you don't realize the act the pure frustration that he can cause when you're just two-shotting him, as <laughs> when when I'm fighting him with uh, no range and, and only a straight sword hilt with gold pine resin and that was another one too i i needed to i needed to kill him within 60 seconds uh because i needed the other gold pine resins that i got because you only get three at the very beginning and um it had to be perfect pretty much all the time because he has clones you can summon more clones if you don't kill him right away in his second phase yes he has a second phase he summons 10 clones and it it gets horrible so pinwheel was it, it, it kind of was um a surprise now you mention it for for me because it was a challenge that no one else really had to go through when going through ds1 with uh hitless strats it, it was again i was i was kind of the the first like canary in the coal mine with with that experience god i've not heard that phrase in so in ages <laughs> oh canary in the coal mine yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh why pinwheel second uh Alan just sorry uh why pinwheel as the second boss uh, after oh Dylan? pinwheel as the second boss was because i needed um to get a skull lantern to get 
the Ring of Fog, and uh, I needed the Ring of Fog so that I could go down into Lower Undead Berg and not attract uh, all the dogs down there. And I needed to go to Lower Undead Berg to get uh, to free Griggs to get magic weapon. And it, there was there's a lot of uh, you need this, so you need that, so you need that. Kind of the the traditional hero's quest, <laughs> you know. Like it was like I said, the routing was was pretty messy and it was pretty unprecedented. In terms of routing, you mentioned range difficulty, and the one of the first ones that comes to mind is like something like Calamites, who even with just normal weapons, I remember struggling. Was there anything, or was he a particular case? I know he has a lot of health, so I imagine that was a factor as well. But was there any cases where the range of reduction of range of the weapon impacted it quite a bit as well? Yeah, Calamite is the most difficult boss in in the all bosses version of that run, just because the the range so much isn't isn't too much of the issue with with calamite it's it's just being in the fight for so long and again you you have buffs so it's going to be a very 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 difficult challenge to not only just kill him with those straight sword help but to not run out of your buffs right and even with buffs you're not going to be doing that much damage and you have to find bots in the run or spots in the fight openings i should say to buff and buffing takes a while and if, if you if you buff too early or if you buff too late then you're probably going to get hit and he's going to input redo or, or something along the lines of that, right? So Calamite brought a whole lot more challenge to that. Not to mention that he's he doesn't have the best hitboxes either. So that was a huge hurdle. The DLC in general, actually, in, in that run is, is a huge hurdle because they had they had so much help. And uh, even if you did have a whole bunch of buffs, you needed a clear uh, openings to actually do any damage to them, or else you're just going to be sitting there doing two hits or two damage per hit, and that would probably take hours. So, Because of reduced damage, because these runs take a lot longer and each boss takes a lot longer in general, is there a way or that you kept focused in the fights or during the runs? And to give a bit of um, like info for, for people listening, so I believe the any percent was around three hours and the all bosses in this one five i believe yeah i think it was three and a half and five and a half or maybe it was three and a half and five somewhere along the lines to to say focus oh man i you you just kind of get into a, a rhythm i feel when um when you're fighting a boss for so long like sometimes you know like for example asylum demon during those runs takes about 10 minutes but Artorius and Calamite and Manus can also take uh, around that much time if, if you don't get openings uh, to buff, if you, if you I don't know, miscalculate and, and you're not punishing everything. You, you kind of get into a trance, or at least I kind of got into a trance whenever I was on a run and I was fighting these long bosses. Um, I guess it also helped, I think, uh, when I started going for the all bosses run, I started <laughs> playing smooth jazz on my stream. I guess that kind of kept my, my nerves down sometimes, but it was, it was definitely something else. Just you kind of block out everything, you block out chat you, you block out your other thoughts you're just focusing on the boss and i i think my um my experience with doing low damage runs that that's just how it is you just have to get into the rhythm because if you don't then you're you're you're, you're gonna be focusing on other things i think heard dino say one times like if you're not focused you start thinking about your thinking when you're fighting the boss and you start thinking about oh what if you mess up and once you start doing that you're not focused so it's it's discipline and did that just mainly come from repetition or just having a, a really good understanding of the boss or combo of two or other i'm not sure where that really came from it i guess it 
it comes from the understanding that you're doing something difficult. So you have to devote a lot of attention and your, your willpower to, to stay focused because, and I guess it also comes from the failures that you have, because there would be a lot of times where, you know, you lose a run and it's, it's simply because you're not focused and you, you learn from it and you realize that you, you shouldn't take your mind off of the fight because you have so many examples as to what happens when you, when you don't focus and you think about something else. A couple of the runs separate from Straight Sword Hills, in DS1 at least, have, that you've completed are SL1, no upgrades, and SL1, weapon level zero. Could you explain first the difference between those two runs and then the difficulties that are included in those as opposed to something like straight sword hilt so the difference between no upgrades and weapon level zero is uh, no upgrades just means plus zero if there's not a plus one or plus anything next to a weapon that is that is not an upgrade um weapon level zero is actually a uh, a pvp term so like usually if you if you're wielding like a, a black knight weapon or anything that is upgraded with something that isn't regular titanite then the least it could ever be is is a, a weapon level five so if, if say if if you have like the black knight halberd or something so that's weapon level five can't use it on weapon level zero so um that's kind of the difference so and so the difference also is you have less of a uh, less of a range of weapons and less of a range of tools with weapon level zero as opposed to soul or uh, no upgrades the challenges that come with both of them that aren't really seen in straight sword hill no upgrades um there's not too much more of a challenge when it comes to that as, as opposed to just soul level one uh because on straight sword hill i wasn't soul level one so you have less stamina, that'd be like the biggest thing. But with weapon level zero, soul level one, you you gotta find damage and you gotta find damage real quick. The biggest issue would probably be four kings when it comes to weapon level zero. And people who, who watched me when I was getting that run knew that four kings was a huge hurdle because it is a, a damage per second race. You you gotta be perfect. Um at least at the time when I when I got my run. After I got the run, there was kind of a there was a different strat that was discovered um that made it a lot simpler. But at the time I was using the, the best strats that were available to us and four kings was a mess. Like you had to be perfect. If you didn't get good RNG, you had to bone out. You had to come back. And I was there with a with a dagger and gold pine resin and power within. And every time that I ran out of gold pine resin, I had to go over to the forest, kill more mushrooms for for the chance to get gold pine resin, and then go back to fight four kings. And I think even if you if you look at my um if you look at the YouTube video, I think the the entire four kings split is something like an hour or like thirty minutes or something. It's really long. Just just me going in there, boning out, going in there, boning out. So that was a huge issue. In terms of uh, routing for these runs, so no upgrades, SL1, so that's no leveling up, no no upgrades, of course. Did that give flexibility in routing? Uh, because you don't really have to prep for many things, so to speak. Obviously, and buffs would have to be found and, uh, in, in the case you mentioned with Four Kings. But did that give flexibility in the routing? Yeah, uh, definitely. Because because you, you don't have to spend a lot of time trying to, to get a lot of damage, I'd say, uh, as opposed to Straight Sword Hill, where like the first, I don't know, 40 minutes of that run is just shopping, or maybe even like the first hour is just shopping or, and like going around collecting things. You don't really have to do that in uh, no upgrades. In weapon level zero, I kind of did, because... Um, 
um that was weird routing too because i i had to like fight capper demon in order to unlock the, the pyromancer and get pyromancy for for some areas so that itself was interesting in terms of routing with no upgrades there's a lot of flexibility with weapon level zero not too much going into so you completed all these ds1 runs um both the old bosses any percent and then these uh, no upgrades runs how was the experience moving so from the straight sword, uh, sword hilt to broken straight sword which is pretty much the same thing uh in ds3 how was that as an experience for the new gameplay style so to speak even though it's still dark souls but it's just a lot quicker hmm. wait were you asking specifically about dark souls 3 or both ds2 and ds3 uh ds3 first how's the experience of going into okay. that as the new game it was a uh it was a humbling experience um because i i i had never i so going into uh, going for no hit runs on DS3, I had never actually completed the game. I, I completed the game once, probably a week before I started going for the broken trade sword no hit run on that one. Um, and it was it was humbling because I you, you were going into or I was going into something that was fairly difficult. And people often say that DS3 is the most difficult um, no-hit run to get with any percent. And I was jumping into something that was a lot more difficult than spin to wind blades, right? So I, I, I had to deal with phase twos. I, I had to I had to deal with you know, lack of range. I, I couldn't. I can skip a lot of things and I I really enjoyed that because you you only get to experience something like that once really or some of that to, to that extent with with learning and and just something just kicking your butt that much I I don't know uh and I, I think it was really good for, for other people because a, a lot of people knew that I was very, very good at, or I was very accomplished at D DS1, but going into DS3 and I, I got a lot of comments like, oh, wow, like uh, this makes me feel very happy that, <laughs> or like I'm getting some joy out of this, that like you're, you're not automatically good at everything. And I think that's, that's good for people to see because, you know, you, you don't, you don't get, you know, soul level one, no upgrade zone fusions, all bosses in DS3 overnight. You, you work towards it. Right. And I really enjoyed the grind, you know, and it made me really realize that like i'm i'm not just a, a one game andy like i can do very well with other games because um just i i stick with whatever i put my mind to and you know i i eventually got it and it was it was amazingly fun just thinking people like is human after all kind of thing it just is it's one oh of yeah 100 <laughs> percent uh I think that sort of like challenge or that experience is what a lot of people, including myself, are looking forward to for like when Elden Ring comes out, just that sort of fresh experience of even though we've played these games before, even though I say that, that didn't really help going into Sekiro. Just like, oh, I played from software before, but Sekiro oh, yeah. still crashed me. <laughs> Uh, but I think that's a good thing to look forward to with Elden Ring coming out as well. Yeah, um, it's it's definitely going to be. I, I think it's going to be a whole lot different, at least in the in the challenge running space, because um, Hitless has grown like so much within just the the past year and or in the past year and a half. I think the the Hitless Discord isn't even two years old yet, or, or maybe it just turned to one of the two. But uh, it's it's grown quite a bit. There are several hundred people that who are part of Team Hitless, at least on the website, and you're, you're gonna have a lot more people who are focused on on challenge running right and i think the the culture of challenge running on, on twitch at least is, is going to be unlike what we've seen what we've seen before going into a from software game you know because you mentioned Sekiro and how, how Sekiro kicked your butt kicked my butt too uh even though i was very involved with from software um Sekiro was much of a 
of a different game as opposed to DS1, 2, and 3, and Elden Ring is very much like DS1, 2, and 3. So it is going to be interesting what, what will happen and like what direction challenge running will go, how, how fast uh, strats will develop, how fast uh, people will get like these amazing runs that, you know, the average person might not think to be possible yet. It's fun. It's a fun time of year. I think one, not to go into any sort of spoilers, but from cer certain aspects of Saw from the network test from other people, an all bosses run is going to be an interesting thing. <laughs> <laughs> if, if that ever oh, happens yeah. <laughs> so that'll be interesting you mentioned having to do phase two in D in the ds3 run um so particular examples that came to mind for me was like dsa or deacons were those ones that's that's that were tricky so to speak even though all of them were tricky of course but yeah yeah those ones that come to mind for me uh from from my recollection i think yeah so mainly dsa was a huge one it, it was a it was a big one i i remember watching people do the or like try to fight phase two dsa when i never even played ds3 before and i was like i, I can never do that like th there's too much stuff going on dsa is way too aggressive you have meatballs flying in from left and right like there's a lot going on there deacons was another one where you, you can't just spam l1 to to get past phase two aldrich was was kind of another one oh yeah. uh phase two gets very very tricky with fire trails and uh, there's probably another one that i'm not really remembering right now but yeah um i guess vault would be another one because we don't really deal with vault in normal playthrough and he's a lot more yeah, aggressive you, in second phase you, you, you don't deal with vault with phase two but on on broken trade sword you, you don't you don't see much of phase two anyway you, you, you can still get the stagger after the charge and everything's fine but yeah uh it was i don't know it's an interesting experience with learning all those because it's it's a lot thrown at you all at once and i took a kind of uh different approach to ds3 like a lot of other people will start with twin blades and they go to sl1 they do a whole bunch of other stuff i just went straight to broken trade sword and there's a lot of information thrown at you at once and I think it's a fantastic way to learn by just doing it. So you've been with, uh, mentioned earlier that for the original Broken Straight Sword or the Straight Sword Hilt run specifically um, for DS1, that took 11 months and then obviously going into the next few runs. Going into DS3, did you go into it straight into Broken Straight Sword because that was like your niche or... So I guess my question is sort of is how come you didn't go into like just a standard any percent? didn't go to a center any percent um i i kind of have this uh wish that i i don't want to do a regular meta any percent run <laughs> um or or even like a meta all bosses because i i think i don't know i'm i feel like i'm I, i'm kind of unique in that spot um by just not having something like that on on my record i i think that since i wanted to do broken straight sword anyway like i i had my eyes on like getting the Dark Souls trilogy of, of broken straight swords somewhere down the line. So I, I wanted to just go right into that because I was going to go for it anyway. So I, again, I, I think the, the best way of learning is, is to just do what you want to do. Like, don't really take a lot of kind of meaningless steps to it. And I think the mentality that you need to go through easier things to work your way up, it, it, it may work well for some people in terms of your mentality, but you are kind of extending... The time that's going to take for you to get your end goal right so um with with broken tracer that's the thing that i wanted the most the fastest way for me to get it was to just do it and uh, the, you see that a lot with a lot of people like they say oh like i'm not ready for a no hit run like what do you think uh would, would be a stepping stone to to get that and 
there there are good answers to that saying like oh you can try deathless you can try so1 but i've always thought like the best thing to do is just do it just start a run count your hits after you finish one run do it again and and that's that's how i did broken trace or ds3 i started a run i counted all my hits i i got whooped to cinder probably 300 times i was i was on the verge of a mental breakdown and i did it i got past cinder uh after 300 hits or so to him <laughs> and uh it was satisfying and i i just kept on doing it and i i kept on dying to cinder over and over again for the next i don't know i think it was three months or something three five months it took me to get that run uh and it was great like there's i don't think there's any other um joy that's greater than just seeing your improvement so i guess to go back to your original question i yeah the any percent's just not for me just want to go into more difficult stuff because that that's where i'm going to end up anyway so might as well get started early so in terms of that it's it's like you're going into specific or mentioning specific or like targeted practice as opposed to learning a prior run which may be i guess adaptive practice because you can move that into a different run so if you did like any percent you could move aspects of of learning that run into other runs but for this you just want to focus all your time and of course of course just wanting to do the run but having all of the all the time focused on targeted on learning how to do this particular run improved your learning time so to speak would that be a reasonable way to say it yeah yeah i I'd, I'd, I'd say i'd i'd i learned a whole lot more not doing i guess the uh the simpler runs you know I, same thing with with trades right i you, you just learn a whole lot more because there's a whole bunch of more information and, and understanding that comes with doing very difficult things again a sort of repeated question but it, it is a different game but was the similar difficulty differences for the no upgrades, no infusions for DS3, or was the some specific problems or difficulties in DS3 um, compared to the Broken Straight Sword? There, there was a lot of differences, um, and a, a lot of that had to do with me just just not using other weapons other than uh, twin blades in my first run and and the Broken Straight Sword for my other runs, um, and uh, I guess. A lot of it had to do with um, just getting used to the tools that you had. Um, some parts were were more fun uh, because I, I got to use the bandit's knife, which was has become my favorite weapon that I've used in DS3. But you know, something like Cinder is is very different, and um, it's it's very um, it's very different from Broken Tracer because there are a lot of different options that you can do, especially in Dark Souls Three, as it pertains to SO1 no upgrades or infusions because um there's there's like really really aggressive ways to to go about fighting some bosses there's really cautious ways to go about them too and there's kind of somewhere in the middle and i think a lot of it has to do a lot of the fun of it and a lot of the stress as well has to do with whether or not you're doing the right thing for your play style right and it it kind of it, it it that run specifically encouraged me to really think about what I'm doing and if it's the right thing to do with with regards to learning bosses and with regards to learning how to to fight bosses because I was kind of going off of you know who got the run before me at that point it was Gino and sounds tricky got 
got that run before I started going for it myself. And I did a lot of strats that they were doing with, um, with bosses or with areas. And I realized that some of those just weren't for me. And I, I really had to dig deep and find other ways that I could go about doing these fights that were to fit my play style. Right. It was difficult in the sense that, again, you had to learn more about certain things. You had to survive in fights for longer as well, because you're doing technically less damage. But it was a great experience because the learning is the learning part of it is just unmatched because it's it's very satisfying once you can get a strat down, once you can execute it a lot, and once you can do it consistently. And in particular for these low damage ones that you do imagine you have to learn these bosses to a much greater degree than in a standard any percent where some bosses can be cheese, some bosses can be you do so much damage you can sort of YOLO to an extent in, in the sense of, of hitless YOLO. <laughs> um, but as, as we mentioned, like in the phase twos you've come across, you've had to learn them inside and out. Yeah. And, and you, you mentioned cheeses. I, I, that, that's another thing that I should mention about the uh, no upgrade zone fusions run is some parts were very difficult. Some parts were easy. Like you, you get storyteller staff in Dark Souls 3. Like that's half the bosses just thrown out the window. What, what, what weapons? <laughs> yeah, just. Uh, story storyteller staff or STS. It's uh, a staff in Dark Souls Three. It it um, inflicts poison, but it's uh, a stronger form of poison yeah. that's better than toxic. It's the thing that you see people use with with Half Light all the time. You you do that on a lot of the bosses. Boom, that that's a lot of damage that's being done when you're not even doing anything. So there's some cool strats. I think another one that I saw. I can't remember which runner it was, but I believe it was crystal sage and maybe another boss that's coming to mind but it was using the a frost weapon with a torch in order to do frost damage to crystal sage and then using the the torch to reset able to pretty much do that fight very quickly which and there's as you say with yeah. the staff as well there's like restrictions cause innovation that's that's sort of the path i'm going mm -hmm. down <laughs> yeah yes absolutely you also mentioned about playstyle differences and that led to strat differences. Could you give an example of where a strat from a previous run, uh, I say with uh, Tricky or, um, sorry, I can't remember the first one you mentioned. Uh, Gino. Gino. A strat they did, which didn't fit your playstyle and what you changed it to, to fit more? The the two biggest examples um, for me was uh, Twin Princes and Demon Princes. With Twin Princes, they did the, the strat that you just mentioned. Uh, it was the um, Irithyll Sword, Irithyll Straight Sword, the, fr the Frost Weapon, and the Torch. They would hit twice, reset the proc with the Torch, and keep on doing that way. And um, Princes, it was... That strat was very... Um, it, it could be foiled very, very quickly and very, very easily, I should say. And I was a very aggressive player when it came to when it came to runs like this i realized that that strat was not vibing very well and then out of the blue one, one of my speedrunner friends matt apocalypse came in he was like oh did you ever see how they uh fight this boss with uh no rolling and i'm like no like why would that ever be applicable here and I, I watched it and uh here comes my my best friend the bandit's knife and um i i use bleed strats i in, instead of you know dancing around princes and like waiting from the teleport and stuff like that i did a, a a looping strat 
with the Bandit Scythe because the Bandit Scythe is very quick. You can get a, a hit in and recover very quickly. So as opposed to hitting twice and then waiting for an opportunity to hit with a torch, I was just hitting once with a Bandit Scythe and waiting for them to bleed and kind of circling around them. So that if you can envision, like, uh, the boss would constantly pivot, but they would never attack. And that's that's the, the strat that I went with. And I, I had dissenters of, of that strat, uh, mainly uh, my friend Viswad, because a lot of people thought it was too risky. But no, it, it, it fit my playstyle a whole lot better than than trying the, the Frost and, and Torch route. And same thing kind of with uh, Demon Princes. Uh, that's a long fight. And up until that point, people were using uh, the Black Knight Sword to take a lot of damage in on, on Phase 1. And I thought that was unnecessary so again my trusty friend the bandit's knife i i'm an aggressive player and and with the bandit's knife you have to be fairly aggressive if you want uh to bleed the enemies so i voided picking up the black knight sword and i just went directly into using the bandit's knife and it was really fun because i i think i think a lot of people when they start doing hitless runs they might lose sight of you know what's fun and for me being aggressive is fun even if it might be more risky to some people but that was my kind of mindset in in switching up the strats i i wanted to be more aggressive i, I wanted the fight to be done uh more quickly and i wanted to to do the fight how i wanted to do it so enjoying the like having an aggressive playstyle that then help as you mentioned earlier with these runs sometimes having to be done perfectly or uh because of uh buff limitations did that help yeah well doing the fights aggressively um it it helps a lot with learning like you you understand more about what what you can get away with and and what what openings are, are truly openings and stuff like that so it helps with future runs or, or future challenges because again you just you just learn a lot more in a short amount of time because you're being aggressive Going into the last one, which would be DS2, and I want to start with this one if your approach to learning this run has changed compared to learning the other runs. So I think hearing that question, I want to say immediately, yes, it has changed, but how it changed, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I think the, the biggest thing with Dark Souls 2 was, was learning like what's completely necessary with like something simple as movement in in these runs or in these games because um with with dark souls 2 rangeless is is almost never a thing like not not damaging enemies with 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 the bow the bow is almost ubiquitous in every single dark souls 2 run uh unless it's like something like sorcery or, or something you're, you're almost never going to find no range stuff few people have done it but not many and and that was another thing that really change my approach because i started really practicing the certain areas uh in segments i think that was the first time i ever started doing that um because uh the areas in that game are, are so much more difficult than the bosses aside from throne duo and there's a lot of things that can go wrong and there's a lot of things that have to be perfect because with with Dark Souls 1 and Dark Souls 3, Dark Souls 3 more so, you don't have to be as purposeful with your actions. Dark Souls 3 is more forgiving with, you know, with rolling, with 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 attack animations. You can roll out of attack animations very like much more quickly uh, than in Dark Souls 2. With Dark Souls 2, everything had to be planned and you had to go according to plan. And you had to know what can go wrong and you had to know what 
to do when something goes wrong. And uh, a lot of times when I talk about this stuff and like knowing what to do when stuff goes wrong, I point to Shrine of Amana <laughs> because if you've ever played Dark Souls 2, you know Shrine of Amana is just horrible. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're on a no-hit run or just a casual run and you're playing it for the first time. It's 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 bad. And to do that with with no bow, no uh, consumables, no like a, a shortened weapon that doesn't do as much damage as other things like it changed my approach because i knew that i needed to practice 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 of these things and i need to be more patient when the time called for it i should say because i i did like still being aggressive but sometimes it calls for patience as well and if 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 you look at my ds2 run you'll see i don't think anything gets more patient than having a half an hour thrown to a fight where you're just focused or where i was just focused it, it was it, it was definitely an, ex an experience that helped me as a runner i feel so for that particular example of shrine of Armana, how did you end up approaching that with um only do melee only it was um it i mean it was it was doing the same thing over and over again you know you make a safe state you you load in you you practice this this one section i i, I practice going by two enemies probably 200 times maybe even more just because i i needed to to really see what the best option was of dealing with them right um and it was just repetition 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 knowing what they can do what i should do what i should do if if one moves right one moves left one attacks earlier than the other you know and it it can get very frustrating because you the the less you know about a game the more you think things are influenced by rng right and um when when you you're practicing or when you're doing a no hit run, you get very frustrated because you you think that a lot of bad things that happen to you are caused by RNG, and that may be true, but you know that you can respond to RNG very very well, and, and you can manipulate it in a lot of cases, not all. And that little spot in in doing that run was again very humbling because I I knew I needed to practice, and it, it just wasn't going to come to me very easily. Like my I don't know like like or. It, it wasn't going to um, just randomly show up uh, like my straight sword hilt run did, right? It, I needed to practice that if I wanted to really, really get better and really be consistent if I ever wanted to do a, a, the Broken Sword trilogy, right? So yeah, it was a lot of practice and a lot of and I and a lot of studying too is another thing that really helps with these runs. Like seeing what other people do in in situations like that can really help. Uh, guide you in the right direction or give you a different perspective on things just going about the rng aspects with it's i think it's a really important thing in improving your knowledge of the game or working out why something's happened instead of immediately putting it as rng which is why looking back at runs or looking at the vod or uh, clips of a previous hit and looking at why step a led to b led to getting hits because then once you know how it works or have a better understanding of why it may have happened, you can then adjust, you can practice, you can work out how things happen, <laughs> so, I guess. Because <laughs> I, I, I was speaking to uh, Dino about this, like, in terms of, like, RNG and luck. If you've got a better understanding of, like, the RNGs, like, good and bad RNGs, you can still sort of work with them. So an example would be, like, in Soul of Cinder, if he does the hope uh, the uh, the soul mass uh, homing soul mass and then mm -hmm. does a phase transition that's bad rng but you can because you've had experience or practiced it you can 
have stuff you can deal with it you know to bone out or you know which parts you can do it or you can stagger him stagger him, stagger him early uh, sorry uh, to prevent that from happening and that's all from knowledge of the game not just basing it on rng first yeah um you kind of you kind of said it very well um a lot of the times um they're like rng is going to be in the game um i'm, I'm not sure of, of of any particular boss fight where you can absolutely guarantee that something will happen if uh if you do a certain thing or stand in a certain place or whatever but when when you practice a lot more if, or if, you, if you get experience uh enough to the point where you know what to do when you get bad rng or or you know what to do when you mess up and then you open the door for more um opportunities or, or a wider range of rng whenever you're uh doing a fight or running through an area or whatever it um it, it kind of harkens back to the uh the phrase like fortune favors the prepared and you know luck also favors the prepared right so you may think that you you may think that luck at first is kind of against you when you're uh preparing for these things and then you slowly start to see that oh you you, you kind of get more lucky when uh when you have more experience right because you you just have that muscle memory you you have that knowledge of of where to stand or like you maybe you uh you forget why you you run a certain route or, or stand a certain place and then something happens like okay that's why i do that you know it may, it may seem like it's luck but it's actually just experience which thinks uh from personal experience i find really difficult when making guides because it's so hard to put into a single video or, or written piece all the nuances yeah, that true. you may not see in a single run so like a common guide type that I've done is like the, the completed run and then do a voiceover, but it's it's one one run, one example, and there's so many nuances that have happened in the tens to hundreds of runs you've done prior, or why you like as you say like standing in a certain position. I think an example of that would be I've not learned this particular strat, but in Bloodborne there's a boss, Bloodstar Beast, where people do a a similar to a lore in schools uh, with something called uh, pungent cocktails, where they they draw the the boss's attention to something and I've I've learned or or spoken to people who know about that strat that it's quite precise in how that's done which is very difficult to explain in a single guide in terms of unless you go into like a 10 minute 20 minute in-depth positioning guide yeah it's it's very difficult to to convey uh different situations and bosses and, and that's why you know probably the most comprehensive guide on cinder is about 50 minutes that's Ge right. geocentrics i believe yeah yeah geocentric his his guide on center yeah, it's it's, it's it's 50 minutes and it, it is a jam-packed of it's everything possibly <laughs> everything you, you need to know about the uh about the fight yeah i've seen uh, i've seen a few of his very very obviously well done and one on dancer i believe which was similar similar shorter length of course because uh, that's a little less complex than cinder but 30 minutes or so i think all just everything you need to know before going to live streaming or aspects of live streaming just a quick query that i didn't have chance to uh, look up on prior to starting is i saw in a comment on your uh, uh, your original run um commented about a power bazinga who i've i found was a, a, a very large youtube creator but didn't find reference to yeah. to what your comment alluded to so i just wanted to ask uh ask about it uh, Power Bazinga. Um, I I I don't watch him 
personally, or I, or I hadn't even heard about, about him, uh, before I did my run. Uh, but he's a Spanish YouTuber. And, um, when I got my run, I, I, I kind of took a break from Twitch and everything to focus on school, but I, I started getting these YouTube comments, uh, popping up on that video. And, um, <laughs> uh, they a lot of them were in spanish and a lot of them were saying like oh power bazinga brought me here and and um i realized that he he did a video about my my run and uh, up until that point i was i was kind of a a no one on on twitch and, and youtube um and him doing a video on on my run was was very was, was very neat and very cool because it, it got my video a lot more exposure but uh it 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 was also kind of validating. I was like, oh well, like a lot more people know that that stuff like this exists. You know, like they're more exposed to either no hit runs or things that you can do better with or more difficult with no hit runs, right? But yeah, I man, I haven't heard the name Power, Power Bazing in a while, so that kind of <laughs> brought back memories. Like, I was like, oh wow, that, that's very nice. <laughs> so going into live streaming, mentioned the start of it, but what's been the appeal of live streaming perhaps aside from the the appeal of challenge running itself that's kept you with it since as you mentioned july 2018 i believe it was or at least my written my hastily written notice <laughs> um it, so well i i started no hits in july 2018 i think i i started my first stream in like 31st of may 2018 and what i guess what, what kept me going was challenge runs are, are a huge aspect of it but it's also the community that you are a part of too you get to meet a lot of people either whether it be viewers chatters other streamers i don't know a whole bunch of people who just really they they really help you uh have fun i guess you know um it it wouldn't be much fun if i was the only person doing something like this i feel you know and you you make some very honestly weird connections with people that you, you wouldn't have ever thought that you you'd make um before getting into the, to, to this kind of space, you, you get to you get to um, see the creativity of a lot of people too, right? And I don't know. Um, I think a huge thing about live streaming is, and like how I really find or continue to find enjoyment in it is I I get to do this while you know people kind of believe in me and, and support me and um, whether it be you know moral support or or anything like that. It's it's just very validating that you you get to be around people who appreciate the same things that you do in terms of gaming or souls or challenges so you're a what's what's known a sort of off the cuff as a faceless streamer you don't have a webcam and i believe you uh, have yeah. never publicly uh, shown your face as far as i'm aware is there a, a reason behind preference or um it's it's, it's kind of a weird one because uh when when i first started streaming um i i I was going directly through my my playstation 4 right here uh it was a very very bare bones stream because i didn't have a capture card so i just did the the live stream feature through the console and obviously i think you could have a webcam if you if you use that but i didn't and i I didn't want to pay any more money (laughs) to 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 really have that so i was like yeah I'll, i'll just I'll just I don't know, just not have a webcam. And then I slowly I I got a capture card eventually after like I don't know a few months. And I didn't really have a very sophisticated PC, 
Um, I just had a laptop. I, I had a I had a MacBook Pro that I that I ran Windows on, uh, and and so that that I can access uh, Streamlabs, OBS, and I, I didn't think that like getting a cam would be good because I didn't think that my computer would like handle so many things being attached to it. So I was like, yeah, whatever, maybe down the line. And then, um, and again, this is all one, I don't know, I maybe had like five average people watching me. So not the audience that I have now. And then um, again, when I kind of came back from my six month ish break from streaming, uh, it just kind of turned into something that I, I don't know. I, I didn't think that I needed it. I didn't think that the people who were watching me cared that much um and it just became a bit of a meme too you know like kind of how how uh gino was before he showed his face like people just people make funny theories and it's it's i don't know it's pretty hilarious and i, I think uh i think it 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 also is something special at this point like whenever i do des- decide if i ever do decide to show my face publicly i think it'd be a cool time it, it's just something to maybe look forward to and and I think it, it's also validating that people want to watch me because of the things that I do, not necessarily what I look like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's, I, th- I think when the occasions that I've seen where people have, have turned on the webcam or uh, or probably shown, and I think it's always either, wow, you don't look like what I thought, you don't sound like what I thought. Because I, I think I saw yes. a comment of like Gino saying, <laughs> It looks like Jesus or something like that. <laughs> yeah, like that's okay. That's a huge thing too. Like the number one thing that I will get if I ever show my face, the number one statement or comment is, "Wow, I didn't think you'd look like that," or "Wow, I thought you'd look differently." I even got that when 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 I, I met uh, a few of the runners uh, in real life. Like I I got that same comment. Like, "Wow, I thought you'd look differently." It's like, <laughs> well, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Of of course, everyone has their own idea of, 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 of you or insert runner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of, I actually saw it, which I believe was in the same time frame. Uh, Swed uploaded a video of the two of you doing a a deathless run, or uh, or actually specifically a a two person one controller deathless run. Uh, how was that as an experience? Because that sounds mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> both really fun and. <laughs> coordination sounds interesting <laughs> that was that was a very interesting um experience because i i never done anything like that before but when when you're when you're going about um doing two player one controller it was it was very evident that like we knew what we were doing and there was kind of an of course there's an element of trust you know um but it's eye-opening in that like a lot of the challenge runs or maybe know it runners you, you you think the same you 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 know what's what's uh what's an opening you you know what you can get away with you know what uh what's safe you know what's not you know and um there there were a few hurdles to get over at first because first of all just finding a comfortable way to hold the c- controller itself is just weird I, I think it was like the the position that we got in eventually was sweat had his left arm across his body underneath his right arm and then i had my right arm like just directly like in front of me and to the left i, I don't know if you saw him it was it was really weird how he was, how he was holding his controller and i don't know it, and like we had to have like proper cushions like to have the controller rest on it was very strange but but um you, you can kind of see 
sorry I'll, I'll say this but um you can you can kind of see towards like if you watch the entire video like you, we kind of become more and more used to it because um you, you can even hear like gail or when we fought gail so i'd said like yeah that that felt that felt exactly like uh how he would do it if it was just himself right so eventually you get in this synergy with the other person it, it takes a while to get to that point but it was it was very it was a cool experience yeah i was just going to mention so sweat was on the left side so he was controlling movement and twin blades we imagine the attacking as well um and then yours was the item usage rolling and potentially some some attacks uh, depending on weapon of course oh yeah i i, I think i stole a, a boss kill or two from him by doing an r1 <laughs> so Little things like that are pretty fun too, and you don't really get to do that too often because I don't think a lot of people are. I, I don't think a lot of people are in the position to, you know, meet someone who is that interested in something to that point, and to like be at, at similar skill levels to really understand the other person. One thing I read was you have either introduced or introducing Dead by Daylight as as a a mainstream thing, so to speak. Uh, just interested as a bit of background a lot of uh, like streams are focused on particular niches because that's sort of how twitch like things in audiences like it how's the experience of introducing something new uh to your audience or into your regular streams it's fun um i mean with with dead by daylight it's kind of a a weird um i, I think it, it's an abnormality with with twitch because there's a lot of overlap between the souls community and dead by daylight maybe not the other way around but but a lot of people who play souls really 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 like dead by daylight and um it's and and i play dead by daylight off stream like all the time so it's it's very comfortable for me to just go from you know dark souls to dbd and um i don't know uh, it's it's been pretty interesting so far a lot of people aren't as familiar with it and you know that's a cool experience to you know, expose them to this kind of game because sometimes I get the comment like, "Oh, I don't know what's what's going on," but it seems very fun. Or like, it, I, I'm, "I have no idea what just happened, but that was entertaining." So, like that stuff, like hearing stuff like that is really, really cool. And exposing people to stuff like that is, is really awesome. And I get to develop my skills as a streamer a lot better too because up until now, I've I've just been kind of just a soul streamer, and so my streaming style is going to center around streaming while playing souls when you introduce another game like dbd <clears throat> where you know the the there's not the same rhythms as as a souls game there's there's not like the same downtime that there's like you have to find you have to get in a, in a different a different rhythm to you know to commentate to respond to things in chat to read chat to to explain what you're doing stuff like that it, it's a learning experience for me because i kind of realized like well just because you're really good at streaming one game does not mean you're going to be very good automatically at streaming in general. It 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 takes time to get used to, and it, it's it's very much a muscle and a skill that you have to like constantly work at to get better. Could you narrow down potentially an aspect of of the stream or stream difference from when you play in DVD as opposed to a challenge run in a Dark Souls game? So. A, a huge challenge is uh, DBD is a, a lot faster, or DBD is is a game of seconds a lot. Um, so you you have to be very focused about what's going on. And if if you make 
one mistake, then like that can change the entire duration of one game of, of Dead by Daylight, right? As opposed to Souls, you, you can kind of go at your own pace. It, it's a it's a single player game, and if you don't want to, I don't know, move on to the next thing, you just wait, talk the chat, you know, and go on to do whatever. Um, unless you're in a boss fight, but even if you're in a boss fight, you you know, well, if you've played enough of the game and if you've I guess gathered that much experience like you know the rhythms of that boss fight enough to look at chat between attacks or look at chat between whatever between roles or something and respond while you're you know focusing on fighting a boss so two totally different things and the biggest thing I would say is DVD is much 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 faster I'd say sorry just to uh, focus down just once more so has that meant having to take those breaks to respond to chat more as or is it commentating a lot more on the gameplay as opposed to um answering chats no i I i think i understand what you're saying explaining what you're doing in dbd is i think is a lot more important than really explaining what you're doing with souls um especially since uh, my audience is more souls oriented so they may not know what's going through my head what's going on and i can i can explain a lot of things that's happening but that so doesn't that so doesn't mean that you uh shouldn't be like reading chat as much as you do when you're playing souls because well, you're still the streamer and i think again that that's that's something i have to work on because you can respond to chat if you if you watch Ots Darva, another guy who went from souls to to dvd he he can respond to chat all the time and he has you know 10k people watching him right and it it proves that streaming is not just you know you know hitting the live or hitting the start streaming button and and playing a video game you you can get better at it and in this avenue like you you can definitely get better uh by streaming different things you know that that aren't souls or that streaming different things that isn't just your main thing if there's one aspect you could improve about twitch let's say what would it be or like or live stream the live streaming in general if that makes it easier or twitch if it's easier live streaming in general is one thing that i would change that's a question um if i had to if i had to change one thing hmm that's tough um i i, I don't think i have one specific thing that i would change it, it it may come to me or like after the after this conversation i might think oh i should have said that but man um i think that i i, I think that the live stream space is very very new uh, i'll say that and a lot of the things that um say as opposed to youtube where you upload videos or something or tiktok or whatever the live stream space is very new so a lot of the kinks haven't really been found out very much and um a huge thing that you'll hear uh on twitch on youtube on at any live streaming services it's very very hard to find people and discoverability is is a huge thing so that would be something i don't really have a solution for it because like i said live streaming is is relatively new but that'd be a very interesting thing to see if that can ever change in the future like being able to find people more easily and and you can kind of see things like that happening on on twitch i'm not sure about youtube i I hear youtube doesn't even have like a browse section where you can see every stream uh which is interesting um but like with Twitch, you have you know all these tags that you can do. You you can you can set your game, and people can go to the directory, they can look at for you and whatever. And you know you can rate other people to to expose your audience to someone else that, that you know. Um, and I think that's actually one of the biggest parts um, of discoverability on Twitch is raids, right? 
and I think that shouldn't be the case. I think people should be able to to somehow find people even when they're not streaming. Yeah, there's. I'm interested in YouTube because I follow the the guy who's the head of the YouTube gaming space, and one thing he was talking about to do with the live streaming aspects of YouTube uh, gaming, which I'd be interested if ever comes to fruition, is a more so the way that Twitch works in terms of not including the recommended section, uh, in terms of this, in terms of general discoverability is the the game categories and then it's done by viewer base, uh, viewer numbers uh, normally, so highest to lowest for the YouTube gaming. Apparently, they're looking into trying to do it on a more algorithmic based recommendation system, such as VOD recommendations. So live streams that would be recommended to people who might be interested which is a lot more difficult I imagine with live streaming as it's just on the go content um, yeah that's something i'm interested in as well as what's twitch have got coming down the line although the last couple of things have, that that have come out of twitch have not been um the biggest fan of like the boost system and a couple of other things yeah there's the, there's there's a lot of things that um that they're trying to throw at the wall, uh, I feel, see what sticks. And I think I think you'll see that a lot with just, I don't know, with every kind of platform, because I, I know recently YouTube said, you know, we're getting rid of the, we're getting rid of the, uh, the dislike uh, public feature, right? And I'm sure that would probably uh, <laughs> really, I, I know that upset a lot of people and I'm not sure what, what other things YouTube will do. I'm, I'm sure YouTube will do a lot of great things in the future to improve. I'm sure Twitch will do a lot of great things, but, they have to stumble along the way to, to really understand what's happening, you know, and how to improve the platforms that they have. Going into Team Hitless, you mentioned that it was six months, I believe, if I remember right, from completing uh, your first run to signing up or becoming a part. Could you mention what was the, the trigger to then first get then involved with Team Hitless and to the current point as well, which I believe you're a, a Team Hitless moderator, so how that then led into... One led to another, so to speak. Well, uh, I think um, when I first got the run, I I did because God, Hitless has changed so much ever since uh, uh, 2018. But um, uh, in 2019, uh, when I got the run, um, back then you had to mention you had to message Skula Killer. He was the the leader of Team Hitless. He was the owner on Twitch, all that jazz, and um, and pretty much like there were no real concrete rules. You just if if Squilla thought you should be on the team, like you were on the team, right? Um, so I, I messaged Squilla like, "Hey, like I, I got this run, like can I be a part of Team Hitless?" Um, he's a busy guy, and uh, I don't even think he saw that message. So I'm like, "Okay, I mean, I'm I'm going away for school for for about six months. Uh, I'm not really going to worry about it because uh, whatever." And then I came back. I'm like, "Oh, I mean, I want to get back into this." So I I got in contact with uh, Squilla. Or maybe it was goes on ghost, one of the two, and um, and then I, I got added to Team Hitless, and then um, and back then there there wasn't even a Discord when when I got on the Team Hitless, uh, there wasn't a Team Hitless Discord. It was just I think a Discord that Squilla made that you can just submit runs onto, and then Squilla would you know he would check through it. All right, you're on the team, and then we made a more community based Discord. I think the founders of that were like Eden Issue, Kazoodle, uh those those guys and um and ghosts as well after that happened after that discord 
was created or the, the server was created then like the community had like a place to actually go and you know talk about strats to, to talk about specific games to talk about i don't know general twitch things or or, or hitless stuff or or whatever and i i found an opportunity to to really get involved with with the community when when that happened because um when i came back to streaming it was it was covid quarantine you know i i, I wasn't going out anywhere i, I just had to be indoors so so that's what i was doing i was interacting with a lot of people i was i was focusing on my runs i was doing a lot of things and um i guess to becoming a a theme hitless moderator i i guess i just became kind of a known member of the community and i people saw me as being very knowledgeable um i don't know in in how things worked on twitch or within hitless and I was active in the Discord, and uh, I I don't know I I just I, I became a moderator. I, I was asked uh, if I wanted to. I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And then every, even since becoming a moderator, Team Hitless has grown so so much. I mean, we have a we have a Twitch channel now. Like, I, I didn't think that was going to happen, and we we've hosted events on there, and they they've been very fun, very successful too. And um, it's. It's a wild ride because I don't think anyone would have ever expected Team Hitless to get to this point. You know, it was it, it was once just a team that like ten people were on back in 2018. <laughs> you know, that, and now there's several hundred at least. <laughs> like, yeah, a whole lot more. <laughs> hundreds That's not even and hundreds including the the discords, so. which made up of thousands of members who may just be interested and not necessarily our runners, but just interested in the in challenge running space. Yeah, there's there's thousands of people in the Team Hitless Discord. There's thousands of people in the in the Hitless Spanish Discord. There's there's a German server. There's an Italian server. There's there's a Hungarian server. There's the, all these communities who who are you know getting together. And I don't know. It's it's amazing how how far it's come. Speaking of events, you um. So you mentioned Team Hitless on the, on the official channel now, uh, setting up events. How have you found participating in those events? And I know you've previously uh, participated in one from with McRaptor as well, um, a, a little while ago, uh, in Deathless Race. It does these tournament style events something that appeals to you? you enjoy doing? Yeah, um, actually, I I I like them quite a bit because it really. It's it's a time to um I feel just to have fun and and I think it's a time for people in chat to have fun and and it it kind of acts as a hub for for the community to you know go to one stream you know and and to to go to one chat even to interact with everyone um and it's it's really cool I I think it, the the more um fun and more interesting tournaments for me are ones where the hitless runners are challenged in different ways, you know, kind of like the I, I think no hit Jerome popularized this um, this kind of tournament. But uh, when he started the Wheel of Pog back in 2019, uh, you know, it, that was a, a hitless tournament. But there were different things that you either had to do or different restrictions that were put on you, right? And I think those types of things are are really fun because it's different, right? And and it's it can show the flexibility of runners uh, a lot better than you know just having a no hit tournament or, or, or having a, a a race of some sort, you know, I, I think events like that. And we also have a, a charity event coming up right now and you're, you're allowed to do anything in, in that tournament, right? Like, or, or in that race, like if, if you wanted to do sorcery, you can do that. If you want to do uh straight sword hilt, which 
I might do <laughs> like you could do that like you know like it these events can also expose people to different ways to do no hit runs and I think that's I think that should always be the goal of the community is to just get as many eyes on on the community and get as many eyes and um on the different runs that are possible I think a big example of that is the sort of expansion of team hitless from the original from software games to now include uh, Hollow Knights, Resident Evil, Cuphead, the latest being Hades, at least at the point of recording, um, mm-hmm. which has brought obviously different other like niche communities all under or together, which then cross contaminate and go, oh, what's what's Cuphead doing or what's Hollow Knight doing or stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very interesting going from. Uh... Because I guess I'm kind of desensitized as to what is well, I'm I'm desensitized as to what other people may think is just absolutely amazing in in a no hit sense of the Souls runs, and then when when I go over to a different game like Cuphead, like Hades, it's like these guys are amazing, <laughs> you know, like 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 the, that's that's the magic of of you know seeing something that's that it it looks so difficult. But since like you've been around, you know, one game for a long time, like you understand what's going on, so the magic might be lost. But with well, with Cuphead specifically for me, there's it's a lot flashier. There's a lot more going on, and it's like wow, like you can do that, <laughs> you know? It's 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 amazing. If you could give one piece of advice for a new no hit runner, what would that advice be? To clarify, is is this person? like thinking about doing hitless or, or have they been doing hitless for a little while and they want some advice on how to move forward your preference <laughs> uh, so i think um if if someone's like thinking about doing hitless and they may have some kind of worry about it i say do a run does it, you, you don't even have to have strats you, you don't you don't have to you don't have to know what you're doing at all you, you can you can take 10,000 hits i don't care you you should do a run, count your hits, and learn from them, and you'll you'll slowly but surely get more comfortable and better with whatever route you're taking, and you'll you'll understand the 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 game a lot more, and you'll you'll learn more, and then you'll learn about like what you don't know, right? You'll you'll know more about what you don't know, so you, that you can be able to ask certain questions and clarifying questions, right? And and if you are not if you are not in the team hitless discord server i would say join that because there are a lot of very very knowledgeable people there who are willing to help and i think people should always ask questions like never be afraid to ask a dumb question as it pertains to hitless because there is no dumb question if you don't know something you should you should get the answer to what you don't know yeah but definitely second that um especially considering i think i've asked the exact same question on rom for bloodborne three times in like the space of like six months because i kept going back Mm -hmm. to it so people will always be responding even if um you repeat yourself like i did (laughs) but yeah tons of knowledgeable people who are happy to help and give uh, advice from some of the huge amount of hours and experience if one game could be released tomorrow either an announced unannounced or a sequel to a game you don't think will ever exist what game would it be oh wow if one game were announced tomorrow um Oh man, oh man. I would I would probably say um I would probably say either whatever the next Final Fantasy game would be or whatever the next Kingdom Hearts game would be. Those those two franchises are ones that I played abundantly as a child and I would love to 
I don't know to to go more into those worlds and and see what the uh, the different stories come out to be. There's a very large mental aspects of doing challenge runs, whether that lowering the PB, getting the hitless run. Um, could you describe a time when a run was taking its toll and how you got past it? I would say I would probably say for for the the very first run that I did because um like I said I. There were times where I'm pretty sure I I wouldn't have even PB'd for two months at a time. And I kind of realized uh, when I was doing that run that you're not going to get the run by feeling sorry for yourself. And you're not going to get the run by not trying to improve on what, what you did incorrect. And by by doing such a, a weird and difficult run at first, I, I realized like, okay, you, you can get angry, you can get upset, you can whine about something that happened in the game, but um, you got to forget about it and you have to learn from it. It's kind of like a, a, I had a, had a friend in high school who was a golfer and he says, Tiger Woods, what he does, if he if he misses a shot, it's one, two, three, forget. And that's what I kind of relearned doing that run was you cannot feel sorry for yourself. You, you have to just keep on improving, right? If 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 you want the run, get the run. If I said most hyped or celebrated moment on stream, your stream, what would it be? Or what moment would come to mind? Most hyped when I uh <laughs> oh there's it's one of two. It's either when I when I got my um straight sword hilt all bosses run. Which one? DS1. Actually no, it, it's it, it's that one. Straight sword hilt all bosses in in, in DS one. I think I'd I'd been going for the run at, at like five months at that point or something and like that that run was was my baby dude like I, I i had a lot of emotional investment in in that and when i when i killed gwen it was i felt on top of the world i think like chat was going crazy it was it was ridiculous you know yeah i would i would say that because at the end of a lot of my runs I, I i play i don't know some kind of song for um for the last boss and whenever the song ends it's just yeah you feel on top of the world or at least i do <laughs> And I hope people in chat do too. And my final question is, what's in the future plans of that cool black dude? Oh, the future plans? Um, keep on doing good runs. Um, I I always want to challenge myself. I'll obviously be looking to see how Elden Ring, uh, pans out. Uh, if slash one it ever <laughs> does come out. Uh, <laughs> copium. Um, and uh, in terms of specific runs. Not gonna say. I, I feel like I feel like the the mystery beyond uh, future runs is really good because uh, I don't want any expectations <laughs> to be placed upon me. Like uh, I don't want people to be like, "Oh, you said you would do this." I'm like, "Uh, yeah." Um, <laughs> but we're doing this now, <laughs> so uh, I I think uh, we'll we'll wait and see. Yeah, that's no, it's all. I've done that several times when I've gone. Oh, next week we're going to do this, and then something else has caught my eye, and just like, uh, I want to do this, actually. Yep. <laughs> uh, exactly. And if people wanted to check you out, where would they be looking? Oh, uh, well, you can catch me live uh, on twitch.tv slash thatcoolblackdude. Um, you can check out my documented runs on YouTube at thatcoolblackdude as well, and on Twitter at cbd underscore ttv. That's where you can catch me. Great. I really appreciate taking the time out for the CBD. I've enjoyed this conversation immensely. I hope you've enjoyed it as well, man. Yeah, no problem, dude. This this was really good. And I hope everyone listening has enjoyed it as well. And hope everyone has a great remainder of their day, even in the morning, depending on the time zone. And we'll catch you in the next episode. 
Yeah, see ya. If you enjoyed the conversation and want to hear more with amazing guests, be sure to head over to youtube.com slash wayofloki, Loki spelled with a C, or wayofloki.com slash nohitpodcast.